Hello, my name is Rebecca Pearl, and I'm both the Finances and Fraud Specialist at AARP Elderwatch, as well as your host for Money Talks 50+, a podcast for women, featuring women, to tackle the most challenging financial issues we face. Thank you for tuning in today. Each week, we'll invite an expert guest on a topic to share best practices, answer your questions, and highlight an important financial issue. Before we get started, I just want to mention the work that AARP Elderwatch, in partnership with the Colorado Attorney General's Office, does. If you think you've been a victim of a fraud or scam, or need assistance with organizing your finances, call us at 1-800-222-4444, option 2. We have volunteers standing by to assist you from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Friday. Discussing finances doesn't mean just talking about saving, spending, and managing money. It also means discussing the threats that exist while trying to protect our hard-earned cash. Today, our guest is AARP's number one fraud fighter. She's made an appearance on Good Morning America, Dr. Phil, Live with Kelly and Ryan, and many, many more. She's one of the most knowledgeable people on fraud prevention and victim support, having been in the field for almost 20 years. I'm thrilled to introduce you to Amy Knopfziger, Director of AARP's Fraud Victim Support for the AARP Fraud Watch Network. She brings her years of experience, passion, and expertise every day to the helpline. Amy studied sociology and criminology and earned her Master's of Arts in Leadership. She's also a certified fraud, fraud examiner. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time away from the phone to be here today. You've been in the fraud field for a long time. Can you tell us a bit about your work over the years? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Rebecca. I have been. Um, I've been working in the fraud space for uh, just a little over 19 years. So I've certainly seen um, almost every type of fraud out there, I think. But as we know with these scammers, they're pretty nimble and they follow the headlines just like the rest of us. So I'm sure they're out there uh, cooking up their next scheme. Absolutely. Um, I can't believe that with all the work that you've done to prevent fraud, that it still exists. Have you noticed scammers becoming more innovative and savvy as new technologies come out and world events like COVID continue to alter our lives? Well, you're exactly right in the sense that, uh, you know, I, I thought when I first started, okay, I am going to be able to educate every single American out there and every single person that you can't win a foreign lottery. But yet still, we have that scam. And I think it's because uh, fraud and fraud prevention, is, it's just not that simple. Um, because if it was, we would have eradicated it. Um, you know, the scammers are very good at what they do, and they, they, they look at it as a job, and this is their craft. Um, and so they study it, they learn about it, they target certain folks that they think are going to be more willing to participate. Um, you know, they share best practices. They, they do whatever they need to do to steal your hard-earned money. And you're exactly right. They they do transform and use current events, whether it's uh, natural disasters, 
whether it's uh, stock prices or even the pandemic that we're living in right now, they use that to their advantage. And the number one thing for scammers to do with their victims is to get them what we call under the emotional ether. That's where you think um, emotionally. And so we've done part of their job for them. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for that. And that information about being under the ether, that emotional state is so interesting. Um, I'm wondering what the trendiest scams are right now. Um, and if they mostly stay the same, or do you see an uptick in scams for a few months and then it switches to a different one? Yeah, it absolutely um, ebbs and flows. I mean, there are concurrent scams that always happen, like uh, the sweepstakes scams and the government imposter scams. But uh, for a while there, it was the IRS imposter scam where you'd get a phone call saying that you didn't pay your taxes and um, they're coming to arrest you unless you give them gift cards. Well, that one kind of um, died down for a little bit. And we thought, okay, good, no more IRS scammers. Well, then they just flipped the script and went to social security imposter scams and pretended to be from the social security administration saying that your uh, social security number was used in a crime often a violent crime and you need to clear this up and how you do that is by paying them money so they will um they're they're nimble and they just switch it around to whatever is happening out in the world and and maybe they get tired of the irs or they're not getting as many victims as they want so they certainly flip the script. But to your question about what are kind of the trendy scams right now, I mean, certainly um, during the pandemic, we've seen a lot of pet scams, um, puppy scams, where people are trying to bring in a furry friend into their home for whether companionship or they're thinking, okay, well, I'm working from home. I can train this animal and and um, be with it a lot more. And so we're seeing a lot of scammers placing fake ads for adorable puppies. Um, and they're asking for payment, usually in peer-to-peer -peer apps, and common names for them are Cash App, Venmo, Zelle. And these apps are great to send money to friends and family, but that's what they're only supposed to be used for. They're not supposed to be used to send money to strangers, because once you send that money, it's virtually gone. However, a lot of people don't know that. It's a new sort of financial technology that's out there. Um, and so that's, that's again, back to the question of how we just have to stay up to date with these scammers and the payment methods that they're using and then re-educate people about don't use these P2P apps on these scams because your money will be gone. That's so sad that people are victimizing folks trying to find a furry friend. Um, but thank you for that information. Uh, crazy how scammers just can flip the switch and then all of a sudden be engaged in something slightly different but a bit the same um, of what they were doing previously. Um, and with these emerging technologies, you mentioned the peer-to-peer -peer payment apps. I bet there has to be so much education around those. Um, and not just how to use the app, but how to contact people when things go wrong within the app also. Um, I, I know there's starting to be a buzz around the language we use when we're talking about fraud victims. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm wondering what are the terms that we should be using and then what's happening to change that language? So if you think about um, how society looks at victims of frauds and scams is they look at them in a you know, whether it's a pathetic way, a sad way, a, you know, judging way, but we really like to shame victims of financial exploitation. 
I don't know if it's to make us feel better that we, um, you know, have this barrier saying, well, we would never be gullible to that, you know, but things we hear are sucker born every minute. And that's not right. These, these are criminals that stole your money with a lie, with a fake, you know, scam, like with a false pretense. I mean, there's, there's really no different than your pocketbook being stolen out of a grocery store cart than someone stealing $2,000 over the phone from you. But how we treat these victims is what's different. Um, I always like to say the story of, you know, if, if somebody was robbed on the street um, and lost $50,000, you know, we would bring over a casserole to her house, we'd give her a hug, we'd say it's not your fault, but that same woman loses $50,000 in a, in a sweepstakes or a romance scam, and we say you should have known better, how could you have done this, you're a smart person, right? And those words have power, so what ARP is trying to do is really kind of highlight and spotlight that these words do have power, and and you know really call people out in the language that they use and how if we do change the language it might bring more victims forward because that's the problem with some of this you know with the data and the funding of frauds and scams is that people don't want to come forward because they're embarrassed because of what we as society say to them. So, you know, when I go out and talk to folks, I always say, you know, any conversation that you lead um, with a victim of a um, scam or fraud is always lead it with compassion and empathy, never anger, because this person already feels bad enough as it is. And if you yell at them, they're just going to close up and they're just going to sit um, in silence, basically, with their with their emotions, and that's not going to help anyone. Um, so we really need to just help these victims and say, I am so sorry that this happened to you. Let's figure out a way to report it, to document it, to do whatever we need to do to move you on to the emotional recovery that you need. Compassion and empathy, never anger. I think that is so important to remember in many emotional interactions, and especially if a friend or family member approaches you and says, I've been a victim of this scam. Um, well, when the last time your best friend, I mean, came up to you and, you know, told you some sad story or some news, I mean, did you yell at him? Did you say, oh my God, well, you think you have problems? No, so why, why do we not do that with victims that just lost you know, whether it's $5 or $5 million, we as humans, we need we need that connection and we need that support. So just remember if, you, if a family member or a friend comes up and, and is, is honest enough with you and trusts you enough with their story that you treat it with that compassion and empathy. Absolutely. So we see a lot of men getting scammed by investment scams. Um, and then women getting scammed more by these romance scams. Are there other scams that specifically target women? It's interesting because um, there is research out there that says um, that uh, Caucasian educated men are more likely to uh, fall victim to investment scams. And the, the data out there would suggest that women are more likely to be victims of romance scams. However, I think that's also that women are more forthcoming with their victimization with romance scams and share their story, whereas men might not, and they might just um, keep that to themselves. But one of the things that scammers do is they do try to um, really target their victims. And so 
whether, you know, you're a woman or a man, um, you know, women technically are, not technically, but, you know, are more social, I guess. And so where we're seeing a lot of scams happen are on social networks with whether it's games like Words with Friends or on Facebook and Instagram, you know, whether you're at a prayer circle and it's a social network where there's a perceived affinity trust in there, we're definitely seeing a lot of scammers infiltrate those places to try to target. And they do understand the psyche of a woman. Um, you know, I was talking to someone actually yesterday and they said, what? I can't believe a 75 year old. Um, and this is in regards to some of the extortion scams right now where um, the scammers are asking, you know, women and men, but to send naked pictures. And she's like, I can't believe a 75 year old would send a naked picture. And I said, you know, I don't think it matters if you're 25, 85, 95. We all and, you know, women as well, we all want to feel loved, wanted and needed. Um, and so, you know, you just really have to understand that these scammers, they really play with your emotions. They get into your heart, into your soul. Um, so regardless if you're a man or a woman, you know, you just need to watch out for those red flags. It's very interesting that you mentioned words with friends. I would not expect to go on to words with friends and be victimized by a scam. How, how does that happen? And, um, what are some warning signs that people can look out for? Well, especially during the pandemic, when people weren't able to um, access their social networks like they normally would, like going to bridge, um, going to, you know, whether it's church or synagogue, um, even going and get your hair done. You know, for a lot of people, that's a social um, activity. So they looked online for these social activities like Words with Friends, where you can play with people you don't know. And so perhaps you're playing with somebody and they're like, oh, Rebecca, wow, that was a really smart word. Um, you know, you must be really smart. Where did you go to school? Oh, really? That's what I studied. And all of a sudden, it's like you're just having this what you think is a casual conversation with someone who shares the interest with you. And then the next day, it's, oh, you know what, Rebecca, it would be great someday if we could play this game together. Um, and, you know, and whether you push them off and say, oh, I'm not really interested in, you know, in a relationship right now. Oh, no, I totally understand. But again, they just keep complimenting. They keep asking you questions about yourself. Um, and they really just get into your psyche. Um, and then the next thing you know, they're asking you for prepaid gift cards or to buy them a phone because they want to call you and they don't have money for the phone or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, so warning signs, whether you're on social media or a social game like that, is anyone that is really trying to um, befriend you quick and fast. And I always use the example of, you know, if you're, you know, walking down the street or sitting on the bus and someone starts asking you all these questions about, well, what do you like to do? Where do you live? Where'd you go to college? What's your favorite color? Things like that. You would probably be like, hmm, why is this stranger talking to me and what do they want from me? But we don't do that when we're online. For some reason, I don't know if it's because you can't see their face or what, but then all of a sudden we're giving up all of this information to a stranger. And just like our mothers and fathers used to tell us when we were little kids, watch out for stranger danger. Um, and so that's definitely one of the biggest warning flags. And then also the biggest warning flag ever is if they ever ask you for personal information or money or a product of value. Stranger danger, coming back to those kindergarten lessons. Um, I know you mentioned a few 
of those red flags, um, especially not giving out personal information. And, you know, if they're asking for money, that's definitely a sign that there's something fishy going on. What are your top three best pieces of advice for folks to use to protect themselves from becoming a victim of a scam? (sighs) You know, if I had to narrow it down to three, I would say, um, you know, build your, build your barrier. And, and I, that's one. So, you know, it's kind of like your house or your apartment, wherever you live, you know, you have a fence you have locks on your door, you might have an alarm, you might have a dog, you might have a security light, right? All of those things are there to help you, um, you know, stay safe. But that doesn't still mean that you might not get broken into. But it's the same thing with our, you know, personal lives online and over the phone is build your, you know, build your border, build your barrier. So if that's not picking up the phone unless you absolutely know who's calling and letting all of those calls go to voicemail. If that is not accepting a friend request from someone on social media just because they say that you look interesting, go back to the stranger danger. If that's having a fraud alert or freeze on your credit report to um, ensure that you know no one can open up credit in your name. If that means you know putting a spam blocker on your phone, your house phone or your cell phone, um, having spam spam filters, you know, so I guess I can't really just narrow it down to three, but I think we need to kind of look at our lives in regards to scams as we look at our lives in regards to our personal safety is, you know, be aware. I mean, as, as I walk down the street and I know who's behind me, I know who's next to me, I have my keys out, you know, I'm ready to go. Um, Same thing, you know, when it comes to scams and frauds, if you pick up that phone, have your defenses up, you know, just think in your mind, this might be a bad person on the other side trying to steal money from me. I'm ready to go. That is brilliant. Thinking about scam prevention as personal safety. I, I think that's something that we all need to keep in mind, especially as we've been so online these past few months, almost a year, um, and lots of those scams start there as we've been talking about. What are the most important steps to take if you've been a victim of a scam? And I'm guessing that this changes a little bit depending on the scam, um, but if there are broad tips that you can give, that would be excellent. You know, first and foremost is if you've been a victim of a scam or someone in your family has let you know is to report it. Um, and you can report it to to whoever you're really comfortable reporting it to, whether that's your local law enforcement, your attorney general's office, Federal Trade Commission, or even, you know, whether it's Elder Watch um, or the ARP Fraud Watch Network uh, helpline, you know, just speaking with someone and sharing your story Um it, it really helps. I mean, we need to kind of expunge our, our, our bodies of that emotional stress that we're having. So share your story first and foremost and make sure that if there is a chance of recovery, which, you know, it depends on the scam, um, you know, if there is going to be any sort of recovery. But um, let's just find out, right? So maybe all you need to do is call your credit card company. Maybe you need to contact your bank. Um, You know, there are steps that you can take to be proactive to report this, Um, but just don't do it in silence. I mean, that's my number one thing is just reach out to whomever you're most comfortable with um, and report it and then get the guidance and the steps that you need to, whether it's recover financially or recover emotionally. Thank you so much. 
I've been talking a lot. Um, so we're going to take some questions from the community now. Uh, these are folks from all across Colorado. You ready for some of these? You got it. Leon from Denver asks, what's the point of reporting a fraud or scam? So I guess this is a follow-up to our previous question. You know, the point is that it's a crime and it needs to be reported. Um, And this is what authorities and regulators, law enforcement, data collectors, I mean, this is what we need to shine a light on how big this problem is um, and to put the resources there. And, and let me just say that there has there have been successful prosecutions of scammers. I'm not going to say it happens every day like I would like it to, but there have been. Um, there are many times where the money can be traced, um, you know, to the perpetrator. And so, and I always say this to people too, like, you know, sometimes with our capacity issues here in the United States, right, like they maybe they can't just handle one case, but your one case might be the 100th case on that perpetrator that they need to finally open up a file on them. And so, you know, there is a point, it is important, and I really encourage Leon and everybody to to file a report. Thank you. Leon, I hope you take that into consideration. And Ruth from Glenwood Springs asks, how can I get my money back after I've been a victim of a scam? Oh, well, Ruth, I'm sorry to be the downer, but it's probably not going to happen. And that's why education and prevention are so important. I mean, it certainly depends on the scam um, that has happened. And there are some methods of payment that are more easily um, traceable and retractable than others. But that's why you really need to hear for those red flags. Um, If anyone ever instructs you to go to your local pharmacy or grocery store and buy one of those um, colorful prepaid gift cards that hang in the carousel, that's a huge red flag. And the reason the scammers like those is they're, they're, they're untraceable. The minute you read the number off of that back of that card with the pin, the money's gone. So even though you're still holding that hard card in your hand, the money's gone. Same with wire transfers, Bitcoin. We're hearing a lot more about Bitcoin scams lately. Um, and even myself, you know, I'm learning about Bitcoin every day. I was at my local grocery store the other day and I was looking at one of those Coinstar machines and I saw that that also was like an ATM for Bitcoin and I had no idea about that. Um, but again, you know, buying Bitcoin and giving it to someone, it's untraceable. The money is gone. And same with the peer-to-peer apps. That's why if you hear any of those terms and they might even like this is the one thing we know about prepaid gift cards is oftentimes the criminals don't say okay go down and buy a prepaid gift card they call it something else they'll say go down and get the silver government prepaid bond well that's just an itunes card and they're just calling it a government prepaid bond card to give it more authority um but again you know report it Ruth, just like with Leon, report it because you never know if it's going to be able to be traced or tracked back. Gift card being a government prepaid bond. Wow, they really come up with everything. Our last question is from Andy in Boulder. And he says, I'm very embarrassed that I've been scammed. Do I have to tell my family? Well, you don't have to tell your family, certainly, but I think it's important to tell someone. 
Um, you know, and that's why our helplines with Elder Watch and Fraud Watch Network are so successful is because we have trained fraud specialists who their number one priority is making you feel heard um, and heard with compassion. Um, you know, we will not, there's no judgment, there's no yelling, um, you know, there's no questioning of why and when and how. And and also the thing with families is, you know, and I, and I talk to numerous families that are dealing with their loved ones being victims of fraud. And, you know, oftentimes there's frustration because the family's not, you know, the victim's not listening to them and they feel frustrated and this and this and this and this. And they say, you know, it's just so helpful to talk to someone outside the family. Well, you know, families have a long history of dysfunction and untrust issues. And you could be the healthiest family out there, but there's always going to be some family issues. And so if you're not comfortable telling your family, I mean, that's your choice, but I think you should definitely tell somebody. Um, and so if that somebody is, is one of our fraud specialists on one of the helplines, that's fantastic because they can guide you and even maybe give you a little um, advice on how to share it with your family if you feel so. Thank you so much for joining Money Talks 50 Plus today, Amy. Where can folks connect with you outside of this podcast? Well, they can certainly um, visit us at aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. They can go to aarpelderwatch.org. Um, you know, there's just so many places um, that they can connect and call a helpline. You know, ARP, Elder Watch, ARP has just so many valuable resources for people. And you don't have to be a member and you don't have to be 50 plus. So, you know, you can look for yourself. I mean, I know Rebecca has talked about this, but a lot of our victims are under the age of 50 and we're seeing a huge increase in people in their 20s and 30s who are being victimized by these scams. And so it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, just, just reach out and you know get as much information as you possibly can. Thank you so much again, Amy. Tune in next week to hear from family therapist, Teresa Donnelly, about how and why you should talk with your family about financial matters. Goodbye for now. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have been a victim or think you've been a victim of a fraud or a scam, AARP Elderwatch is here to help. We have trained volunteers waiting to assist you with referrals, educational information, and even a peer-to-peer financial counseling program to assist with financial resources you may need. You can reach us at 1-800-222-4444 option two.